pastor is on vacation this week, so I get the opportunity to preach this morning. And What's pastor been talking about? Purpose. He's been talking about that for basically the whole year, but specifically even more in the last few weeks, what's he been talking about inside of that? Remembering. Remembering the things God has done for us. Remembering the past times that he has blessed us. And as I've been praying about this and, and, and seeking God on what to teach, we want to stay along them same lines. And we're going to talk about remembering again this morning, but in a little different aspect. And I kind of shared with Abe a little bit what I was going to do because I want to do something a little different at the end of service today. And that song that he played this morning is absolutely spot on what I believe the Father's heart is here lately and what he's trying to get across to us. And, you know, that song he talked about, talked about going back to the garden. We were pulled out of there, but we can go back there and walking with God again and, and getting back to that. And that's exactly the heartbeat of what God has put in my heart to share with you today. So if you have your Bible, go to Revelations chapter 2. We're going to read what you've probably read a million times before, maybe even heard preached a million times before, but there's a few different things in here we want to look at. Revelations chapter 2, and we'll read verses 4 and 5. It says, he's talking to the church at Ephesus here, and basically he's telling the church, you've done all these things right, but there's one thing. And that's what he's talking about here in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Verse 5 is the one I want to zero in on. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Do you remember what it was like when you first got born again? Basically, it's like everything seemed to be fixed. Life was just full of joy. Everything was perfect, just happy all the time. You know, basically your thoughts are just consumed with God everything you can think about. You can't wait to read your Bible because as you read it, it just explodes with revelation. You, you can't wait to go to church. I mean, who was excited to go to church here lately? Uh, don't raise your hands now. But as time goes, that can wear off, and that newness wears off. It's just like you remember if you're married, your first love as you begin to fall in love with someone, it's all you can think about. You can't wait to talk to them again. You can't wait to spend time with them again. And that's all good and dandy. But those of you that have been maybe married for a while, yes, you're still in love, but maybe some of that newness wears off and it's not as exciting as maybe it first was. None of you will raise your hands on that either, but it's truth. And, and you know, life starts to throw curveballs at you circumstances and problems come up and they start to pull your attention and your time away. Just the affairs of life, work and family and, and all these things, they just get busier and busier and, and it gets harder and harder to find time to worship, to find time to pray, you know, find time to read the word. You know, and even sometimes the things that God blesses us with can become part of the problem. You know, we ask and we pray and we believe God for a better job. Well, we get that better job, and then that job kind of consumes us and overtakes our time and can even pull us away from God. Or children can do that. I mean, you can't tell me a child isn't a blessing from God, but they can get so hold of a lot of our time, and that's, that's a good thing. Don't get me wrong, but it shouldn't pull us away from our first love. And even the church can do that to you. As you grow up and you start to get more responsibility, you have more things to do in the church, more ministry responsibilities, even those things can start to pull you away from God. And that kind of sounds backwards, but it can happen like that. You can get so busy doing church and playing church that we forget about our first love. And those things can pull us away from our first love. <clears throat> and that's what Jesus is talking about here. If these things pull us away from our first love, even if they're good things, like he's telling this church, all these things you're doing are good and right, but if they pull you away from your first love, What's the point? The whole thing becomes pointless. It's all done in vanity. And that's why he admonishes us here in verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Or in other words, remember, therefore, where you came from, where it all began, what started it all. 
You know, I can remember when I first got born again. It was, it was just having, because I was struggling big time for years already before that, thinking, what is the point of life? Yeah, you know, now I'm done with school. I'm working a full-time job, and so this is it. I do this until I'm too old and I can't do it no more, and then I die. That's the point of life. It does, there's got to be something more to it. And I can remember when I first got born again, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. This is that understanding life has a purpose and has a point. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life. You know, the joy is just overwhelming to have that and to know that. And, man, when I read the Bible, it was just like, you know, and I'd read the Bible in the past before some of it, and it was mundane. It was boring. I didn't understand any of it. Now I'm reading the Bible after I'm born again. It's just alive. It's full of life. It's exploding in front of me. You know, every time I read it, a new revelation, it just brings excitement and joy like never before, you know. I can remember I was living with my sister and brother-in-law in their basement. I basically rented one of their bedrooms, more or less. And I can remember spending hours in that bedroom by myself in the basement just with God. And I couldn't wait to get home and be done and kind of basically be able to shut myself away and get alone with God. That's all I wanted to do, and I spent hours doing that. I just loved it. You know, it was so alive and so fresh. I just couldn't be happier with it kind of thing. I've heard it said... That if you're having a blast in life, your walk with God is healthy. Because basically, God is a lot of fun. You know, and if you're walking with him, you're going to be having a lot of fun. It doesn't mean that things aren't going to come against you. But overall, you're going to be having a lot of fun. And when we're first born again, life is like that. I mean, if you think about it, when you got born again, wasn't life just a blast? Everything, you just had fun, and everything was great and dandy. But... Again, things can come against us, and things, circumstances, situations, things, you know, work, family, all this stuff just starts getting to come against us and gets busier, and it pulls a little here, pulls a little there, and we start to get back from our first love, and we lose that first love, and now life, more or less, becomes work. Even our ministries here at church can become work. And just like, I mean, Abe said it perfectly this morning, we just go to church, because we need to go to church. We know we got to go to church, but our heart's really not in it like it used to be. You know, and I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody. I don't know how many Sundays I come here and think, okay, church will be done about this time. Then I'm going to, and I'm already moved past it. My, my heart's already what's going on after service. It's not here. It's not him. And, and, so, and it's easy to do that. And, and as time goes, it just it gets to be more and more and more. And that first love just wanes more and more and more. And I, I believe that since this is in my heart, it's not only for me. And if it's just for me, great. I, I needed this. This was perfect. I absolutely enjoyed studying this out, and it's brought me to that first love again. And I'm going to go head over heels for it. But I believe there's a lot of you here today that are just tired. You're tired. And the reason you're tired and burned out is because life is just beating you up. It just keeps coming. It keeps pulling against you. Things just keep coming along. And it's pulled you away from that first love. And it's left you feeling like life itself is just a bunch of work. And it's just day in and day out. It's hard. It's a lot of work to just maintain life. And that's why Jesus tells us here to remember from where we once were. But not only that, he says, repent and do the first works. By getting back to those first works, let me read this right here. By getting back to those things, the first works that we have allowed the busyness of our life to push out, we will find that first love, that original joy. Remember that excitement? That's all still there. It doesn't have to go away. It's just we've allowed these things to come up and get us distracted and busy. And so those first works, that's what he's saying. Repent, therefore. Say, in other words, look. I recognize I've blown it, and I've gotten distracted, and I've allowed some things to pull me away. But I'm going to repent, turn around, and do those first works. So about earlier this year, I don't remember when, but basically in the first part of this year, Dr. Barclay, Dr. Mark Barclay, you guys know who he is. Pastor always shares with us the prophecies. Maybe you don't, maybe not, but he's a true prophet of God. He's up out of Michigan area. He was at the church in Neely. So we went over there uh, to his service, and what he taught on, basically, in a nutshell, if I can summarize an hour's worth of teaching in about 30 seconds, is he taught on how 
Isaac went back to the land where his father, Abraham, was. And in the meantime, while they were driven out, the Philistines, the enemy, had come in and threw dirt or filled in all of the wells that Abraham had dug. And you know, wells represent life because that's the water. You have to have water to survive. So biblically, they represent life. And, and so the enemy had come and filled those things in. And as Isaac went back, he went back. And as he went back, he found those wells filled in, and he made it his purpose to redig all of those wells that his father had dug. Basically, redoing the work that was once started, that the enemy had come in and tried to fill in. And he taught about that there's many different wells in our life. He had 18 of them. And, and his focus was to just concentrate on a couple of wells in your life that the enemy had come in and filled in. You know, maybe it was prayer, maybe it had to do with tithing, maybe it had to do with worship, whatever it might be, those different wells, dig them back out. Start digging those wells back out and let that life spring back up in your life. That's what he taught on. I thought that's interesting. And then, so then just here recently, um, Dr. Randall Greer, does anybody know who that is? I hadn't heard of him prior to about a year ago. He was at the Neely Church again, and no, I'm not planning on going to the Neely Church permanently, so don't get the wrong impression here. But is anybody awake this morning? i got to throw a joke in every once in a while just to see if anybody's alive. But anyway, he was at the church in Neely, and so we went over to see him. And basically, Dr. Randall Greer was, was, had studied and been taught directly underneath Kenneth Hagin. And so he was mentored by Kenneth Hagin. He was taught by Kenneth Hagin, and he was under his ministry and is one of those many uh, ministers that have spawned out of that ministry of Kenneth Hagin. And what he was talking about was in the last, like, 20 years or whatever, I don't know how long it's been since Kenneth Hagin has passed away. It ain't been that long, I guess. But how the work that he had started, you know, he basically created a whole new move of God in the, in the Christian world. He really got some things founded. I mean, he was, he was, you know, like an apostle. He really established some good founding faith for Christians these days. And, and, what he had started ever since he passed away has just kind of slowly faded off. You don't hear much about it anymore. People aren't really talking, referencing much of it anymore. They're not teaching like he taught kind of thing. And so that, that work that he kind of begun had died off. And, and what God has been putting in, this, in Randall Greer's heart is to go back and to get a hold of that work again and get it moving again. And not just him, but a lot of those ministers that are just like him, that were underneath him. And basically, he travels around to church, to church, to church. So basically, he's trying to do it as a whole, to get things moving again, go get people to go back and pick up those solid faiths, those solid truths of the Word of God, and grab a hold of them again and get moving again. Because that work wasn't done when he passed away. It It wasn't over. He was just the start of it. He got it going. And so we need to grab a hold of that stuff and get the move going again. And then now you've got pastor who's been teaching on your purpose, and, and God's got a purpose for your life, and then the last, what, month or month and a half has been talking about remembering. Go back. Remember what God has done for you. Remember what God has already brought you through. Remember all the great things God has once done for you. Are you picking up on a heartbeat of God here? <laughs> to me... By hearing uh, Dr. Barclay, who's out of Michigan, Dr. Randall Greer, I'm not even sure where he comes from, but those two don't run the same circles. They probably know who each other are, but they don't really have any association with each other whatsoever. And then you've got our pastor here who's not associated with them on a regular basis. It's not like they pick up the phone and call each other on a regular basis and say, hey, what's God been talking to you about? No, it has nothing to do with that. But God's put it in our pastor's heart to preach and to teach, to remember and to go back and remember and pick up those things. And so, obviously, that's where God's heart is. And, and, and that's what God is trying to get across to us these days. So, we need to go back. And that's what this, is, this the scripture is talking about, is going back and repent and do those first works. We don't need new works. And this is a whole other message that maybe pastor will give me a chance to teach here in the near future, maybe not. But... We don't need new works. We don't need to do new things in the church necessarily. And yes, new things will come out of this. Don't get me wrong. But the foundation has never changed. We don't need a new foundation. We don't need a new gospel. We don't need a new Jesus Christ. We don't need a new Bible. It's all still right there and nothing's changed. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we don't need to be digging around when we feel lost and we feel like we're getting empty and we feel like we're getting full of, of just hard work and it's just not as fun anymore. We don't need to start digging around and try and find something new. We need to repent, therefore, and go back and do the first works. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. So should we just end there or maybe we should look at a couple of first works maybe, huh? Now, obviously, there's a lot of different things that we could call the first works, but I'm going to give you three today. Real simple, three that you can get a hold of, and I would encourage you to grab a hold of these three first works and just get back into them again. And I'm not saying you haven't done them or you're not doing them, but I just about bet you can relate to a degree, just as I have been able to for the last months, that it's just not like it was. Things just weren't like they used to be. I've, made it, I've allowed it to become work. I've allowed the joy to kind of slip away. And, I, and I, now seeing this, I'm identifying in my life how I've let my first love slip away. And I'm not as consumed with and in love with that as I used to be. And so my heart is being changed, and, I, and I'm praying that this will touch your heart and it will do the same for you. So number one, believe. Sounds like rocket science, don't it? Well, of course we believe. We're believers. That's what we're called, right? We all here agree that, you know, the reason we're here today is because we believe in Jesus Christ. We believe what he'd done for us, correct? I know that sounds simple, but let's go to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verse 6. Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, But without faith... It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is. That he is what? That he is God. That sounds simple, right? Must first believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yes, believe sounds simple. But it's so easy to get caught up in the affairs of life, in the busyness of life, and we begin to start kind of relying on ourselves. Oh, i got to figure this out. Oh, now i got to deal with that. I need to deal with those things. Oh, this situation's come up, and i got to deal with that. Did we forget somewhere along the way that we can believe God for things, and we can stand on his word, and he'll move on our behalf, and he'll help us fix that problem. He'll eliminate this one over here. He'll give us the answer that solves this one over here. When did we lay that stuff down? And, and yes, we believe but are you really going to God and putting your trust in him and believing in him when those situations come? Or are you just dealing with them? As they come up, you just deal with it. You know, this went wrong, deal with it. You know, that ain't working the way it's supposed to, I'll just deal with it. Or do you go to God, believe, and hang on to his promises? You know, we got these smartphones. And I don't know if it was a slogan from somebody or if it's something we just come up with or I hear people say it all the time, not so much now, but for a while you'd hear everybody say there's an app for that. You know, anything you had need of or a different something or other you wanted on your phone, there's an app for that. You can go to the app store or whatever and download that app and now you have something that does that. You know, I find all kinds of great ones for construction. You know, I can stand there and hold this thing up and take a picture of the house. I can tell the pitch of it. I can tell the angles. I can use it as a level. You know, all kinds of neat things because there's an app for that. Well, there's not exactly an app for some of the things that we have in life. They try and make it sound like you can get an app for everything. But, you know, there's not exactly an app for loneliness. There's not exactly an app for joy. Uh, you know, there might be some things that you can do on your phone if you like some games or something might bring you a little temporary joy or something dumb like that. But, there's not necessarily an app for all of that, but using that same kind of theory, there is a promise for that. The Word of God has a promise for absolutely anything and everything that life could possibly throw at you. So what do you need in your life? What are you lacking in your life? What do you want in your life? There is a promise for that. And so believe it. Get a hold of it and believe it. It's that simple. Spend some time believing the Word of God like you haven't maybe done so much in the past. Maybe that's kind of waned off. Again, for me, it seems just like I'm dealing with stuff, and there should be no reason for it. Man, I used to believe God for everything. I believed God for good parking spaces, and I'd get them. I'd believe God. I'd ask him, which lane should I drive in? Which one's going to move faster and get through? And he'd tell me, and I'd go, just practicing God, all these little things. Why aren't I doing that stuff anymore? When did I stop believing the simple things? 
the first things, the first works, where the foundation is at. So that's the first one. Let's, well, actually, let's go to John 14. I want to read one more scripture about this. John 14, and we're going to actually spend some time in John. So you can go there, and we'll stay there for a while. Because there's a whole bunch of these right in a row. John 14, verse 12, says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, there it is. The rest of this scripture is all because if you just simply believe, Jesus is Jesus, and he is what he says he is, right? So most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. It's that simple. Belief. We just need to believe. That's all he's asking us to do right there. And he's promising a whole bunch of stuff there. You're going to be able to do incredible things like he has done. If you just merely believe, it's that simple. Number two, prayer. Again, these aren't huge revelations I'm going to send you out the door with today. But they're the first works, the things we need in our lives. So John 14, let's pick it up in verse 13. We're going to read 13 and 14. It says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. It's like he knew that if he said it just once, we wouldn't get it. So he says it two times in a row. Ask whatever, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Ask, he'll do it. It's that simple prayer. You know, when was the last time you spent some time in prayer petitioning God for something? Yes, I understand we pray, you know, thank you, Lord, for this food. We call it blessed our bodies in Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat. Yeah, we prayed, but, you know, did we really pray? When was the last time you went behind a closed door somewhere, locked yourself away, and spent more than 13 seconds with God? And we're all guilty of this, so I'm not trying to beat up on anybody. And if you're here going, that's me, again, I'm just trying to provoke you. Get back to the first works. Now, when you were first born again, again, for me, it was like, okay, finally, I've gotten rid of everybody. I'm going to go lock myself away because I want to talk to God. And I want to spend some time in prayer. I got some things I want to ask him. I, want some, I got some things I want to ask him for. I got some things I just want to tell him and just talk to him about and just tell him how much I love him. I just want to be in his presence. You know, it's easy to get busier and busier and busier. And I tell you, I've said it for years, and I believe it. It's true. The number one thing the enemy will do is get you busy. If he can get you busy, you can't have time for God. If you don't have time for God, you're not a threat to him no more. You're not going to get fresh revelation. You're not going to be filled up spiritually. You're eventually going to get lose all your joy, your excitement. You're not going to be talking to people about God no more because it's really not that big a deal because you're too busy. And so he'll try and constantly throw things at you and pull you away and make sure you don't have time to go and pray. And, and that is the number one thing that the enemy will do. You know, simple little thing. I've got a new guy working for me for about the last three months now. He's not born again. He's not saved. And I, and I know that. I mean, that was pretty obvious from the get-go just by language and things like that. But that's beside the point. I kind of like getting my hands on people like that because you get around them and it keeps you fresh, and then you get a chance to talk to them. But, you know, some time had gone by, and I'd hired him, and I'd realized, you know, this guy needs Jesus, obviously. I never once prayed for him. Simple. I'm like, you know, Lord, sorry, I'm just kind of daydreaming here, but give me opportunities to talk to him. Give me chances to start telling him about the things of God. Just let it come up in conversation very next day. No, it was that same day. It was ironic. We got stuck on a job. I had to stay late. I made the wife come pick up the guys so she could get them home so they didn't have to stay all night dealing with the job because we had a problem, whatever. On the drive home, he brings it up to her. They spent about 20 minutes talking about the things of God. Very next day, he brings it up to me. And in the past couple of weeks, it's come up more days than not. And, and it just blows my mind. Duh, pray. It was simple. It wasn't like I spent hours petitioning God for him or anything like that. But all the, just like that, just, just a simple prayer. Hey, God, I know it's your will that he comes to the saving knowledge of you. 
So give me opportunities to talk to him or put people in his life to talk to him about it. And the very next day, or that same day that I prayed that prayer as I was driving to work, that same day that opportunity comes up that night. I just, to me, it's like, well, duh, (laughs) you know. But it's easy to get busy with life and those things get moved off to the side and we just kind of forget to talk to God and pray to God. God is into answering prayers. I mean, that should be obvious just for those two scriptures right there. Ask and I'll do it. Ask and I'll do it. He says it two times in a row to us. So, what do you have need of in your life? What do you want in your life? There is a promise for that. If you believe it, you can pray for it. And God will do it. He says it right there. It's that simple. So, first one is believe it. Second one is just prayer. Get back into those simple little first works. The third one and the last one I'm going to give you is abide in the vine. Let's jump down to John 15. Abide in the vine. John 15, we'll start in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they are gathered... And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Jesus is the true vine, and we are to abide in him. Okay, so let's see how uh, knowledgeable you are of your Bibles. John 1.1 1, 1. Who is Jesus? The Word of God. Yep. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. So if you were to abide in the vine, and Jesus is saying he is the vine, in other words, abide in the Word. Right here. Get into the Word. We've got to get back to the first works. We believe, we pray. We need to open up our Bibles more. We need to be reading the Word of God every day. It doesn't mean you've got to sit down and read an entire book of the Bible every day. Even if you read two scriptures a day, you're feeding your spirit, putting in good stuff. You know, we take time, you know, some people at least two times a day, some people three times a day. You know, if Micah were here, I'd pick on him. He probably eats 18 times a day. But we eat multiple times a day because we need to keep our body alive. We've got to feed our body, right? And, and, but yet, we're lucky if we read the Bible maybe once a week or really the only word we get is when we show up on Sunday morning and pastor gives it to us. Good golly, if you ate food like that, you ain't going to last long. And so we, we, we get away from that first work, our first love, and we start drying up and we start starving. And then and then something comes against us, and we need to resist and fight back, but we're exhausted. There's nothing there to pull against. There's no energy left in us to fight against us, and so we just deal with it. We just put up with it because it's not like we can resist. You know, Kind of like a bully in the courtyard. If you're weak, there's nothing you can do. You just put up with it. But if you eat, you get yourself strong, you can resist. You can fight back. You can do those things, and you'll find that joy within that. We need to feed our spirit. We need to grow spiritually strong. Uh, Verse 7 there says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. There's that same promise again. Just a few scriptures later. You can ask God anything. He'll give it to you. We just need to believe it. We've got to ask him for it. We need to be in his word so we know what to ask him for. Because all the promises we need are right here. So what do you have need of in your life? What are you lacking in your life? There's a promise for that. Believe it. Pray for it. 
and get it out of the Word. And God promises he'll take care of it. Three simple things, three simple first works that we can do to return to our first love. And it might seem like a little bit of work at first. You know, we've got to get back into that rhythm again. But it's, again, I'm not saying you've got to spend three hours a day believing the Word of God and praying and, and reading the Word of God. But if zero compared to five minutes, it's a good start. So if you're at zero, promise to do five minutes. Take five minutes a day. If you're at five minutes a day, get into the word ten minutes a day. You know, maybe you need to jump into 30 minutes a day. Wherever you're at in God, God isn't trying to completely take over your life. He just wants you back. He wants you to be your first love. He wants to be what consumes your mind. So let's go down a little bit further here. In John 15 and verse 9, let's keep going a little bit further. It says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that you, that, that may, excuse me, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Remember where we kind of started with this? Talked about when we first got born again and the joy. You remember that joy? And maybe you got that joy, and great if you do. But I just kind of think this is the heart of God for a certain reason, that maybe all of us in, in at least certain areas of our life have let that first love slip and have maybe lost that joy in those areas. That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. So there it is, three simple things we can do to return to our first love, to get our joy back, and not just get our joy back, but a joy that remains. If we stay with those first works, doing those first things, he promises that joy will remain, and it will be joy to the fullest. We believe, we can pray, and we can get into the word of God, abide in the vine. It's those, again, there's, there's many, many more, and we could spend weeks talking about simple first works that we can do but those three simple ones right there will will start to rekindle that fire within your heart will start to stir that joy back up in your heart and it'll feed right on into the rest of it it'll just take you right back in and and you'll find yourself back falling back in love with your first love like that now here's the only thing is we can go to church we can hear a message like this and I'm going to raise my hands as a guilty one of this. And I can think to myself, so I'll just, I'll just pick on me because you guys don't do this. But I go to church. I hear promises like this. I hear messages like this. And I think to myself, that's exactly where I'm at. That's exactly what I need. Service comes to an end and closes. I'm back out the door. And within a few hours, I'm busy. And I'm moving on. And I let it fade right away. And then next Sunday comes around and I think, that went nowhere. But okay, today. It's going to be different today. I hear the message, and it's exactly where I'm at. It's exactly what I need. And then service ends. Out the door we go. You know, we're called to be doers, not hearers only of the word of God. So we've got to do something with it. You can't just hear a message like this and go, yeah, that's me. I needed that. i got to do something with that and then not do anything with it. You have to do something with it. You've got to pick it up and start somewhere. And that's why I say if it's five minutes, make yourself a promise for five minutes a day. Read the word for two, pray for two, and stand there and thank and believe God for the last minute, whatever it might be. Just take a little time and do those things. So I want to read to you one more story that I think will help us find a way to put wheels to what we're talking about. So let's jump over to Luke 15. And this is another story that you're going to be very familiar with and you've heard a million times before probably, but and maybe not. Maybe this will be your first time, but either way, it perfectly sums up what we're talking about today. Luke 15, and we're going to start in verse 11. How many of you have heard the story of the prodigal son? Yeah, that's what this is. So verse 11, then he said... And just Jesus teaching and using this story to relate basically 
how God is towards us and God's heart is towards us. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after that, the youngest son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Or in other words, excessive living, lavish living, expensive living. Those are some other words for prodigal. But when he had spent all, there, was all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough, to, have, have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. In verse 20, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat. And be merry, for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they, be, they began to be merry. So there you have it, the perfect story of how God treats us. We all get to times in our life when we stray away and we back away from our first love. We allow the affairs of life, things, whatever it might be, come into our life and pull us away. But... God's arms are always open wide to us. God loves you. God loves me. He wants nothing more than to be with you day in and day out. Luke fifteen seventeen. in the middle of this here, it says, but when he came to himself, he had a little revelation. He came to himself and he understood, he realized he'd gone done screwed up. And he'd fallen short of where he was supposed to be. And he got himself in a pickle. And so if what I'm sharing this morning touches your heart at all, or basically I should say if God's love this morning is pulling at your heart at all, then come to yourself. Wake up. And just like pastor's been preaching, you know, we get into this sluggard lifestyle where we just eh, go through the motions. Not that you're lazy, but you're just stuck. And, and if that's where you're at today and God's, heart, God's love is pulling at your heart, then come to yourself and realize this doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to be stuck right there. You don't have to be just dealing with life. You don't have to go through life just like it's a lot of work. But that joy, that can be full and it can remain. Verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father, he got up and did something. He didn't just go to church on a Sunday morning and hear a message that related to him and touched his heart and he knew he needed to have, but he got up and did something about it. Amen? So we're all left with a decision today. Are we going to do something about it? You know, If your heart's being tugged at, which I believe it is, I, my heart's been tugged at all week and two weeks as I've been studying and preparing for this, and God's been showing me different things. It's like, yeah, I've left my first love there. I've walked away from it there. I have no joy in that area of my life anymore. So three simple things we can do, and you can make a decision. Today is the end of that, and it's going to change. I'm going to go back. I'm going to repent and do those first works, and I'm going to rekindle that first love that, that he's talking about there in Revelations. We can believe it. We can pray, and we can abide in the Word. Get into the Word of God, start praying again, and just believe God for those simple things. Just believe He is who He is, and He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. It's that simple. So 
about a month ago, I don't know, two months ago, Abe was playing a song in here one morning when I showed up before worship. And I was like, man, that is a profoundly good song. I really, really like that song. And here we are today talking about first love and getting back to our first love. And that's the title of this song. And so I'm going to have Abe come and play that song for us. And, and I think we got the words for it. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and stand up. We'll kill the lights. And let's, it's going to be a new song, so maybe you ain't going to know the song, and that's fine and dandy. But the words are up there. If you sing along, great. If you don't want to, that's fine. I want you to see the words, and I want you to think about where you're at today with God. And to think about, you know, if this is message for, for you and it touched, maybe it's your whole life. Maybe the whole thing's a mess. You know that something's got to change. Maybe it's just certain areas. It don't matter. Just like the prodigal son, the father's arms are open wide. But you've got to come to yourself. You've got to get up and do something about it. So we'll have him play this song and we'll go from there. Oceans filled with ink, and the sky were a blank page. Still, I would run out of space the tale of all this love, ever, never be long enough to come to the end of endless love. I pour out my songs like the oil from the widow's jar. It'll never run dry. All the way back, all the way back, all the way back to my first love. All the way back, all the way back, all the way back to my first All the way back, all the 
to my first love And I am falling in To my first love I am falling in To my first give an opportunity to put wheels through our faith this morning. We're going to do something a little different. This represents the altar. We've used them in the past. It seems like we haven't in a long time. But we come to the altar and that's where we can meet with God. And so I want to end service today a little different. We're going to basically shut it down as soon as I shut up. And I want to open up the altar. I want to give you an opportunity I want to give you an opportunity to come to the altar and spend a moment with God. And you talk to Him. I can pray for you. I can lay hands on you. I can do all these things, but it's between you and Him. So I encourage you to take that moment. If you can come forward, if you can't, you can stay in your seat. That's irrelevant. But I encourage you, if you can come forward to the altar, we'll take a moment and you talk to God. And you tell Him how you want to get back what you're going to do and you set that up with him and you just let him love on you and show you just like the prodigal son how wide open his arms are towards you so if I could have the ushers take this please and I will go to the back of the room some people might be up here for 30 seconds some of you might be up here for 15 minutes that's fine when you're done you can go just be respectful of those that are maybe still here sneak out quietly through the doors. We'll leave the doors shut so that way you can get your kids, all that stuff. Those of you that are up here, take your time. 
this is what this is for and that's what the father's heart is and even you ushers I will go back I'll do the security stuff take your time I want you guys to be able to take part of this too as you desire deal with the rest of it when it's time there's no rush no hurry so the altar is open you're welcome to come forward if you can if you want to take what time you want when you're done you're free to go amen
Coming back, coming back. 